This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where we sully the moment with our price taggery. I'm your host, the Scourge of the Despot, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and will there ever be a <laughs> rainbow? And who do we have on the line? Diamond Steve Sadak. And this week's episode is Blood Feud. <laughs> This week's episode originally aired on July 11th, 1991, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, the second season of 90210 debuts alongside this episode of Simpsons. Terminator 2 rules the box office for the second week in a row, and Paula Abdul's Rush Rush tops the Billboard charts. Well, we have the perfect guest on for this, uh, the first news item, because, uh, Steve, I am in love with your Melrose 210 podcast. It's a recap podcast that goes over both uh, 90210 and Melrose Place. And because of your podcast, I learned that between the first and second season of 90210, there was basically like two months. They started their second season in July, and this Simpsons episode was pushed to July for one fantastic night of programming. This and Beach Blanket Brandon on the same night. Yes, I must have watched this back to back. My sister ruled the television, so we would watch 90210 whenever it was on, and I probably was very jazzed uh, to get a reprieve <laughs> with a brand new Simpsons episode that in it, weirdly in July. I have no memory of it, but I'm positive that must have happened. Yeah, I, I was very jazzed as well to see a Simpsons in July, mm-hmm. uh, though I, at that time as a kid, I don't think my brain had been trained yet to think Simpsons debuts in the fall, because especially like Simpsons was probably the first primetime show I really paid attention to anyway, and it had a very different thing, but its entire run up to this point of like, okay, so The Simpsons has a Christmas special in December, the new episodes in January, January, yeah. and then it debuts in September, and then, hey, another episode in July. <laughs> Who's to say that they won't be that all the time? This was a very special night for me because uh, you know how when you're a kid, you're like happy sometimes, mm-hmm. and then you spend your entire <laughs> adult life trying to chase that again and trying to find it. Perhaps you start a podcast network about it, uh, you know, in, in your search. And I remember uh, the fr- up the, like through the age of nine, we were like desperately poor. I lived with my grandma, and then we moved into a house, and I had my own bedroom in the summer of 91 and this was the first new episode and I thought could life get better than this we've got a house I've got a room and a TV and there's a new Simpsons on wow and then it was all downhill from there you've been chasing that ever since (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah Terminator 2 I did not see that in the movie theaters it was uh, I waited to see it on VHS the next uh, year I think probably but about as good as action films get that Terminator 2 I don't know if it's everybody's favorite James Cameron movie I I do think Aliens is pretty great, too. Hmm. It's, it's one or the other for me. 
I've become a snob and love because I grew up even now this is like what are the right age for it I grew up watching the Terminator 2 right into the ground but I definitely now as an adult kind of prefer Terminator 1 to it even though uh, I'll, I'll touch my glasses when I, t- <laughs> I, I but I, I do love both of them and I, I that, that movie is one of those is like the uber action movie for me like in terms of growing up and remembering what action movies could be yeah I think I'm on Steve's side having just rewatched that in a theater uh, during the summer I think I might be a Terminator 1 guy but uh, Terminator 2 another childhood memory I think it might have been the first R-rated movie my parents told me I should watch wow. at the age of 9 <laughs> but then again I just rewatched uh, Darkman I remember watching that on VHS at the uh, suggestion of my parents so maybe I saw Darkman on VHS first yeah. and that's another R-rated movie a great movie by the way mm-hmm. I like the idea that your parents are recommending movies to you a small <laughs> child like your like your, your buddies at the water cooler oh you know Bob you know you should go see you should go you're like seven like you should go see Terminator go for it <laughs> I remember my mom saying oh Bobby would like this <laughs> so yeah well and Terminator 2 was made like for our age group literally like they give despite it's our rating he is given a teen <laughs> kid to hang out with yeah. like T-100 is his new dad yeah you know? Eddie Furlong in that movie teaches him to talk like Bart Simpson exactly <laughs> yes yeah yes it's so funny like yeah, he should be wearing a Bart t-shirt in it but like he's playing all the games we played he's hanging out with Bud Nick from Salute Your Shorts just like we all wanted to <laughs> is there a story about Arnold not doing uh, and we might have talked about this even on, on the episode we did together was Arnold ever approached to do anything for the Simpsons or was he just never interested in it or because it, it just seems mm. like a match made in heaven obviously they made fun of him mercilessly throughout their entire run especially the early run so maybe that was a a, a, a no-go maybe or well here's so odd that he never he never showed up here's the thing i think around season five or six or so uh i think they were trying to push a uh a script involving arnold schwarzenegger bruce willis and sly stallone on the simpsons saying oh wow we want you to help promote planet hollywood and the showrunner at the time was like absolutely not mm-hmm. even if i can get all you voices on the show and i think to date neither of those and, and none of those actors have been on the simpsons so i think maybe that's what soured them al Gene in particular on all of the shows he show run and that goes up to the Simpsons movie like he is savage to Schwarzenegger like across decades yeah. he has been like he's a bad actor uh it was weird how he said uh, that like you know Hitler had some good ideas he seems like he uh would be a terrible governor he had all those things to say for decades so it's like yeah I don't think he'd want to do it I think in the end with that Planet Hollywood script I think the Simpsons writers en- end up finding out they were bamboozled anyway and it was like the agent said they do it mm. but then the actors were like wait we never said we do that oh, interesting. Uh, and he has Paul Abdul's Rush Rush that was the uh, the song that was in all of our ears as well no uh, cartoon for me no sale I know yeah it's, I was uh, going to say that's not, that's not the one where she's flirting with the cat so then <laughs> that's kind of not not for me then if it's not opposite tracks a, we don't remember now <laughs> that must have been another furry activation point like I would just love to have those numbers in front of me uh, which is impossible uh, like a big a big old <laughs> school like in uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead that those big uh, <laughs> binders full of figures like I just feel like activation points have to be the Robin Hood movie that video like there's just a lot of them where you're like mm-hmm. yeah I can see where, where that where, how that could go I can see it I we- think in 89 it was either you're activated by either Rescue Rangers or uh, Opposites Attract yes yeah yes. <laughs> it, it really affected a lot of kids uh, sexual development and then right that after kid, that was a sexy cat guy <laughs> (laughs) running around fucking Paula Abdul not a bad situation and by the way 
I, I pull up the video here on my computer just to be sure. Uh, yes, Keanu Reeves is in the Rush Rush video. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Dang. Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say then after that, the, the the Sonic the Hedgehog series took over oh, the yes. activation. But, <laughs> no, I, I, and I know some fans of Monterey Jack that were also activated mm -hmm. just like Gadget. <laughs> Are they in this room? <laughs> uh, hey, I'm not telling. I'm not telling. Uh, <laughs> uh, but joining us today is uh, Steven Sadak of We Hate Movies. Welcome back again to the show, Steve. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, it's God. Is this like the third or fourth episode I've been on mm. uh, since COVID, which is so so horrible to think about? <laughs> but it's been fun to catch up with you guys uh, as we go through this never ever never ending nightmare. Year three. Uh, also, it's going to turn around in year three, I think. <laughs> I think that's it. Biden's got Biden's riding the dragon this month. Folks. <laughs> He's got it. And when you mentioned uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, we did the Simpsons movie with you guys on We Hate Movies. That was our last time I think we recorded together. I think so, yeah. That was so much fun, and that's an episode that people freaking loved, so I was really happy to have you guys on it. And I have not visited uh, season two in a really long time, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, I was very happy that you guys brought me in for this, because uh, I think the last one, maybe the last one we did on your show was the Mel Gibson Simpsons episode, mm -hmm. speaking of celebrities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which are, uh, And it was I was really excited to do that, and I was like, oh, wow, that's it, it's just kind of weird, like, outside of my Simpson watching, which is I'm you know with three to like ten person that I'm constantly in rotation with those. Anytime I go outside of that, but I know that I've seen them, it takes me way back into a very bizarre place of like nostalgia and like oh mm -hmm. these jokes. That's where this. That's why I say this is because of this episode that I haven't thought about in five to ten to twelve to fifteen years. This episode is a season two episode, but it has like the energy of a season four episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, this is really where it begins the Absolutely. the golden age, if you want to call it that i mean season two you don't want to throw that away or season one there's lots of great moments but here i feel like they realize the comic potential and they realize they don't need this pat emotional ending on every episode they can have just a shrug i think that's the mission statement for the rest of the show i mean seinfeld i think too much gets credited for the show about nothing when really the seinfeld is not about nothing it's about a lot of things it's about social interactions it's about uh, faux pas lots of things this show is often a bunch of stuff happened and the, and there was it was funny, wasn't it? So we don't really need a point. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's only separated by like six weeks with this in the official start of season three. If this hadn't been, it's just such a random choice they made that I feel like was... Uh, I would guess it was first in the episode guide the, that they put out that they decided this is a season two, not a season three. And then after that, it would be in the DVD set. They're like, yes, this is a season two episode. But really, it's like they called the Michael Jackson episode that follows this the season premiere at the time. Like, that's how they promoted it. But this the, this is the start of season three. Like, season two ended in May. And this is like two <laughs> months after this. Like, this is really the... And it's also weird that like, this is the end of season two, but it's with the start of Be a Beverly Hills season. Like 90210, yes. its seasons started, and it's weird they didn't classify this as a season premiere. I guess only reason because there wouldn't be new Simpsons again until yep. September, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's just this kind of weird dead island of uh, content where you're like, well, here comes season three in two months. So it's like this weird epilogue. It is kind of, yeah, it's almost like a, a bone, an, 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 like a comic annual almost. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's outside of the numbering <laughs> series, but you know that it's uh, it speaks to whatever is going on at that time. And you know, Stephen, yeah, you mentioned comics. I wanted to compliment you on here. I uh, I was just listening to new at the time you uh, are recording this. Uh, 
the Eternals podcast you did for We Hate Movies. That was really great. Like, it was just uh, a, a wonderful discussion of that film uh, that is so long and yet so forgettable. Uh, and, <laughs> and just how even Jack Kirby, you know, it's it's not a home run every time. Even when you're the king of nope. comics, it's not a home run every yes. time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I really, I think that's my, new, I mean, I'm sure someone can call me on it and say, oh, this character, this movie is great, even though this uh, character never sold. But I feel like if a comic series is routinely canceled, mm-hmm. chances are there's not <laughs> enough interest there to hold a major motion picture. That's that's I think that's a decent rule to, to take. And and it's like with Kirby, Eternals never felt special to me as a kid. And I'll not I mean, I read I've almost all the Kirby stuff and it's like New Gods was his best riff on that idea. Like so good. And even that is incredibly unfriendly to new readers. And then you've got the Inhumans. That's the second best version of that. And then I'd say below that is actually everything he did with uh, Thor and all of the Norse yep. God stuff. That's also the same kind of story. And then below that is Eternal. <laughs> so it's like the fourth best version of a story Kirby told many times. He loved the mythology. He loved the idea of, oh my gosh, aren't wouldn't it be interesting if superheroes were gods, et cetera, et cetera. And he, yes, you're right. He's told that so many times in so many better iterations than than the Eternals, which I've just been reading, and it's fun Kirby stuff. But it even even still, it's just kind of weak sauce. I'll be mm. honest. Well, and like uh, I I do think I do think Stan Lee takes too much credit for every single thing he was involved in. <laughs> but oppositely, I also <laughs> think Jack Kirby it was at his best when him and Stan Lee were working yep. together on things. And Eternals, meanwhile, is proof of like, well, if if Jack Kirby got to do whatever he felt like, sometimes it's yep. like really loose, and he maybe needs an editor occasionally yes and or someone to be like you know what might be fun i don't know nothing nothing to do with gilgamesh or gods or anything like that what if we just like i don't know went to new york city and it was jazzy baby you know, that kind of <laughs> very distracted by the idea of a character named sprites in that yes. movie yeah. <laughs> now, <get> thirsty <laughs> if that also if that movie was directed by somebody less respected people would be like it's pretty sus you have a story about a, a child that's an adult <laughs> and wants to date adults like that's weird Weird, you know but i mean it's just them being true to the source material but i was like eh, this is i don't want icarus should just be like no i'm not attracted to you at all sprite i'm sorry like <laughs> it would be that would make a lot of sense and why make a baby god if you're making robots anyway there's a lot of it just i could go through it again but it's just it's so confusing as to why that child is in that movie mm-hmm. that nobody wanted and then at the end of the movie they just have to go like oh well uh you're gonna age now because this actor can't look unlike other the <laughs> adult actors and this, yeah, this actor won't look ageless so uh one more preamble thing about blood feud by the way uh i don't mean to interrupt the internals chat no, but no, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think that this really is where they figure out mr burns i feel like brush with greatness was a great first step towards that uh by throwing him into that story but in this episode he is so full of pith and vinegar as he says mm. so full of energy and has all of these great rants and we can see the extremes of his evil at this portion of the show the story sticks with him the entire time pretty much he i would uh, i think he has more scenes than homer does in this episode and and also uh this is when they made him a hundred like he he was 80 before but in this episode like he makes references that uh, that the only way they could 
work is if he is 100 years old in 1991 <laughs> and and he, that's great he's also uh the one thing uh i agree with all that does have his earlier voice the it's a bit more gusto that shearer was doing it as opposed to the later three four like four or five like where he's definitely a little bit more wispy and it's kind of funny when he's dying uh <laughs> like he does in sort of quote-unquote classic simpsons but when he comes yeah. back it's got this you know this kind of uh ed, not edge to it but like a girth to the voice that, that you don't really get often mm-hmm. well and yeah bob uh, you also mentioned the airing strategy of fox that they're like no we want to be big in the summer we're gonna get a jump on all of the networks i tried to look up how successful that was mm-hmm. uh, for them because like the wiki will say you know it's ratings were this or that but i wanted to find contemporary news so i i went to the la times archives uh in a, a week after this it said that fox was still fourth for the week even though they had the only new thing on uh that was like a regular programming beverly hills 90210 was 17th nationally uh though in the los angeles market it was in second place uh for the week and the simpsons was 24th nationally so still didn't really raise fox all that much even Hmm. having brand new stuff they did a similar thing in uh season 10 with lard of the dance that one aired in august uh, alongside i believe the debut of that 70s show so they did this one more time that's right interesting i'm interested about um the simpsons and 90210 or the simpsons actually about how much maybe fox getting the nfl really catapulted i mean obviously the simpsons was a phenomenon t-shirts etc and all that stuff but like really the rate like just the idea of having the nfl as a lead-in uh, and just, or if you're watching football games, it's like the Simpsons is coming on next. Like how much that has to do with mm. this catapulted to 30 years of success. kind of thing. Well, you know, the Simpsons definitely, it, it has, it just kind of became an institution, but before they got major league sports, Fox was just like, it was like four fads in a row. Like it was like married yeah. with children was their first one. Mm-hmm. Then Simpsons, then 90210. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's Melrose one more. Place. Yeah. Melrose place. And X, then X files oh, a little bit. I mean, X files. A little cultier, probably. No, but it was still like headlines, and in front, yeah. it was their Twin Peaks, which got them like yes. a bunch of new viewers. And then Major League Baseball comes in, and right at, and then two years after Major League Baseball, I think it's the NFL, and then then they're a real network with five nights a week of programming and all that. Yeah, or seven nights, not five. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and this also uh, was directed by say uh, David Silverman, who says that this was one of his favorites ever to direct, which. Uh, this has a lot of fun animation in it too and yep. and also he shouts out the a guy who I've, I've now added to my rolodex of like i'd like to interview this guy uh, who's still active in the animation industry his name is mike gerard uh he shouts him out because for the honestly best looking years of the simpsons to me animation wise uh he was the overseas animation director which is a hugely important thing to the execution of animation that you output overseas hmm. so uh, and he's still still working the animation industry to this day yeah, as somebody that's been a little season two agnostic, and I, I watched a couple of these this week, the faces you get in the in in these episodes you will never see again. Mm-hmm. Just like the amount of the amount of when Marge is trying to tell Homer that they're partners and you know they have to be in this together. There's so much emotion in that one drawing it's just it really i don't know i, I found it really emotionally satisfying in, in a way that i feel like a lot of times and not to shit on you know even my favorites and stuff but like there's i don't know i i really was the animation of this episode is really inspiring and interesting to look at mm-hmm. I, I agree i agree and and as for the writing 
Uh, this was a very interesting uh, week for them writing it because it's the end of their production season. As we said many times before, when you get at the end of a Simpsons production year, you are exhausted. You are like dying. You've had no <laughs> sleep and you want to pump out this last script and be done with it and take a vacation. And as we've talked about an episode that uh, will go about after this, but we've recorded already uh, the parent rap, uh, the last one of production season 12, also co-written by George Meyer, the writer of this episode episode uh it's when you get zanier and you don't care as much about like a heartfelt ending you're you're yeah. more about like yeah let's fu- let's fucking yep. have some fun guys <laughs> oh no well and also this was technically still in production season two but a test balloon for Al Jean and Mike Reese as showrunners for the show as as Al Jean talks about on the commentary as Sam Simon the showrunner of seasons one and two he was having his problems with Matt Groening they weren't getting along and on top of that Bob as Bob has laid out before the James L. Brooks and Gracie sells a new sitcom to ABC a live action one called Sibs uh, and so Sam Simon it, it was a great solution Sam Simon you run this show and go away from <laughs> Mac rating and no more problems. I mean, you're going to hear about Sib soon, but uh, just a preview. It debuted on the same day as Home Improvement, mm. same night rather. Mm. Uh, did not become the uh, number one hit that show did. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jettison. This Simpsons thing is on autopilot. I'm more interested in what's going on on Sibs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm going to hitch my star to Sibs. And uh, so Gene and Reese, they are working very hard on this. And I do think that because Gene and Reese were so, you know, like, we got to do this perfect it's got to be perfect kind of thing i think too that got them less involvement from james l brooks who for most of this season too seems to show up at the end to be like no you got to pull on the heartstrings where's the emotion at the end we need the emotion this is like spitting in the face of the emotion that's ended so many season two episodes yeah we talked about uh throughout season two how you know the show could never have been a success without james l brooks but a few times throughout the season he has kind of made things a little too sappy like Mm. uh things like what Dance and Homer was a, a, an ending yep. basically pulled out of re-edited video footage. Yes, just to have more emotion to it. And same with like a late addition to the, uh, oh yeah, on the the dignities on me, friends, like that just embarrasses yeah. the writers on the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, also they mentioned it, uh, that they, <laughs> they mentioned that Harry Shearer couldn't make the recording, uh, or sorry, the table read for this episode, which was rare then, not something he has done for 20 20 years straight at this point <laughs> uh but but on that episode they were really worried of like oh fuck we don't have Terry shearer here this is burns and smithers is in every scene he was like sorry guys i can't put the show on hold yeah. it's just too funny well yep it's the funniest <laughs> thing on tv on the radio <laughs> uh the simpsons will be right back I'm dead meat on a stick. How much money you got, Simpson? A dollar and three cents, Mr. Bully, sir. Keep a change. Thanks, man. Think I'll take that Butterfinger, too. <laughs> Think again, Nelson. <laughs> Get a crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery burst in every bite of Butterfinger. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger. And try new Butterfinger ice cream bars. Cool, man. Butterfinger on a stick. Hmm. 
Welcome to the break, everybody, and a big thank you to our certified bloodletting tech dude, Steven Sadak. We always love having him on. Everybody should check out the great stuff he does on We Hate Movies. And don't forget that me and Bob last year did a great episode of that about the Simpsons movie you should definitely check out. And if you're enjoying the Talking Simpsons podcast, you really should be checking out patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Subscribers to that are why me and Bob can do this as our full-time jobs. The $5 a month subscribers there get to know that they're helping me and Bob pay our rent and they also get tons of exclusive things for that five bucks. Each month you get a new episode of Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill of us covering Futurama and King of the Hill one episode at a time each month just like we do on The Simpsons. There's a giant back catalog of us covering other shows like The Critic, Mission Hill, and Batman the Animated Series. Super duper in depth and tons of other exclusives too in our five years of being on Patreon. Check it all out, five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. But if you want something as nice as Extrapolopicettle, then you need to sign up at the $10 a month level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because you get all that $5 stuff I just talked about. But then you get our monthly premium podcast, What a Cartoon Movie, where we cover an animated feature film super duper in depth, just like we do on The Simpsons. That often means we talk for over five hours about a different animated feature film scene by scene and going deep into the history. At the end of this month, you're going to hear me and Bob talk about South Park the movie bigger longer and uncut as chosen by our patrons and the last month we covered the Lion King 2 Simba's Pride in March we're going to be doing Pinocchio the Golden Age Disney classic and a giant back catalog over three years worth of what a cartoon movies over 225 hours of us covering things as diverse as Kiki's Delivery Service Cowboy Bebop Beavis and Butthead do America Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and tons and tons and tons more check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons today to see what you're missing out on Uh, but all right this episode though begins with a great setup of a of a hilarious traffic warning sign turned into a nuclear disaster warning sign. <laughs> uh, they were new in uh, in Los Angeles at the time. So this is L.A. writers talking about L.A. traffic. That's that's really what it's about. Uh, I think you see some of these in Terminator too. Or maybe I'm thinking of falling down. Yes. Okay, yeah, falling down has them a lot. Maybe there is. I don't remember in Terminator Two they have those, but they're very famous in the movie L.A. Story, where. Mm. I think something, something, and I haven't seen the movie in forever, but I, Steve Martin like proposes to Sarah Jessica Parker via <laughs> L.A. traffic sign or like, will you forgive me or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so these are huge for L.A. folk. Uh, but in this case, this is such a hilarious thing about how the warnings are disquieting everybody like they, <laughs> as they realize like, oh, a nuclear disaster means we're all dead. There's no warning to be had. Let less clapping during meltdown, Flea City. Yes. A few people are still clapping. <laughs> Core explosion repent sins is such a great it, like there's a period that's my favorite bit core explosion period repent sins period <laughs> so grim uh and uh and also this this meltdown joke then you know a few months later in homer defined they just go all the way like you know what? No, a meltdown does happen we're just gonna do it it happens like <laughs> twice in that episode that's right yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> First in Springfield, then in Shelbyville. As uh, they are about to unveil it, Mr. Burns is a no-show in our first clip. <laughs> Joke's on them. If the core explodes, there won't be any power to light that sign. <laughs> and now I would like to present the man who made this sign possible. By dropping the last of his obstructionist legal challenges, Montgomery Burns. <laughs> Mr. Burns is never late. Something must be terribly wrong. Well, there better be. Nobody leaves Diamond Joe Quimby holding a bag. Uh, must turn over. Got to greet dignitaries. Oh, no. Mr. <laughs> Burns, we've got to get a doctor. Absolutely not. No quack sawbones is going to apply his leeches to me. As long as there's an ounce of strength left in me, I... Uh, his wiggling arms is so funny. <laughs> like, what a great drawing. Even more Citizen Kane-y things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, this scene here, this is like back-to-back -back Citizen Kane scenes because uh, the discovery of him is very similar to the discovery of, of uh, Charles Foster yep. Kane after his death. And then uh, in the next scene, it's meant to mirror when Smithers visits him at his bedside with a doctor. That's when Kane's second wife uh, attempts suicide and they're visiting her in the bed in her bed as well I, I love the blocking on that scene too like that, that's real commitment to the joke it's very cinematic where like the camera stays on burns and uh, and smithers and hibbert just go to the recede to the back it's just it's it's really funny mm -hmm. and yeah earlier i said they really figured out mr burns this one they really figure out smithers uh the pieces are coming together in brush with greatness i think the dynamic between those two characters they are like oh this is lots of fun yes here yeah. you really learn what smithers is about at this at this yeah. portion of the show he's He's a softy too. Like he's not the jerk. He he was a jerk this season. One of the first episodes is Samson and Delilah. Simpson and Delilah, yeah. and in that Smithers is just an asshole. Like he he ruins Homer's career uh, seemingly out of just normal normal executive behavior of like yeah you're not gonna overtake me in the company. But this is much more the like the uh, the Smithers who's like yeah I'm your best friend. Like thank you Burns. Let's hang out. Yes, and he has given Mr. Burns. A kidney already which uh <laughs> which really hit the spot mm -hmm. and uh, is ready to give blood at the drop of a hat rips his whole somehow rips through a jacket and a sweater and uh a button-down shirt he's super strong or that's yeah, how, incredibly strong that's how passionate he is you know it's the yes. adrenaline just rushing through him i i also uh it's i love this line because it is just the man who made this side possible by dropping the last of his obstructionist legal challenges <laughs> like that and it's seemingly this whole event uh because burns did this out of the goodness of his heart but it's actually that he finally got convinced all right just drop your lawsuit you have to put this up <laughs> that's so great and then he seemingly has made an enemy for life out of quimby by leaving him looking bad at the t at the uh, podium on your suggestion i rewatched three men in a comic book and it's funny to get two diamond jo no one does this to diamond joe quimby jokes back to back and forth because there's one last episode with with jimbo and jimbo mm. uh you know says radiation man you dumbass or whatever <laughs> and he's like no one no one makes a full lot of diamond joe quimby it's a fun runner but, and i miss i miss diamond i love the, i love the term diamond joe quimby i'll never not laugh at that it was there from the beginning i was like did they invent this for this show but no in uh Barkett's and f uh, episode one uh his his uh placard or whatever his symbol says yeah. diamond joe quimby <laughs> it's it's funny too to see quimby before he just became a receptacle for kennedy jokes and mainly 
being a philanderer these jokes are about how he instantly makes you uh, like a political enemy for life if yes. you embarrass him one time he's like get that punk's name <laughs> I got, and I, that's his joke once they heard I think once they heard Castellaneta's version of Quimby they're like ah you know what Kennedy jokes are just so much more fun let's <laughs> why 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 fight against this let's just go full on with Kennedy stuff and this is a bit of uh, blood chat for all you blood fans out okay. there uh, because we got some things wrong last time I think and that was five years ago we've grown so much as people since then but <laughs> we've learned a lot about yeah. blood uh, double O negative <laughs> isn't real mm. hypohemia isn't real mm. uh, type O negative is a real blood type it's the most useful blood type because uh, you can give it to anybody right and uh, I think they're implying well double O negative is the reverse of that mm. <laughs> I get it that makes okay that finally makes sense to me that joke I knew it was a made up blood type but the the idea is that nobody you can only get that blood type from another of that like it can't take any other type and it's very rare got it okay <laughs> well one I love that uh, Smithers won't even wait for like a few seconds to sterilize a needle I mean, he's like nah yep. I don't even care get it to him right now but and also leave me enough leave, just leave me enough to get home is great uh, is a great idea yeah uh, he, just, <laughs> uh, though apparently the original line just leave me enough to get home to my wife and kids mm-hmm. oh okay I always wonder if they they never clarify if it was cut in full animation or cut in the script phase or maybe the animatic phase because the way he says just leave me enough to get home you could totally see that they just cut out the next like two seconds where he said to my wife and kids uh and i i think that was the right move because if you make smithers like a closeted guy who is lying to a wife and children that changes the tone of his relationship with burns far too much yeah you know? Yeah, I much prefer him as a man who just has a Yorkie Terrier at home <laughs> and <laughs> Hercules. And a killer blog about uh, uh, Malibu Stacy. Or, yeah. Or, 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 a, pro, a proto blog, rather. He was leading the forums or the the uh, message boards uh, of, of for StacyCon94. <laughs> Although future uh, showrunner uh, Al Jean on the commentary for this recorded like literally 20 years ago, so I think he's changed his mind. Like yes. He considers Smithers a Burns-asexual, but we've all learned that Smithers is uh, gay for, yeah. uh, for other men as well. Well. Yes, and I mean, I, I, I almost think that he wouldn't even, given it, he would just, he... It's not even he's attracted to he's attracted to Mr. Burns, but in a way that like an untouchable like he's God I could yeah. never touch that mm. like I, I'll have sex with John Water John Waters or whomever else whether they're gay men or yes. they be in uh, Springfield but I will look up to Mr. Burns. Yeah, it's funny to me that Gene felt that you know twenty years ago when they recorded that commentary because you know the people who followed him like uh, as as showrunner on the show they wrote Smithers as a gay man like. You know, uh, in Merkin seasons, they wrote Smithers as yes, he is gay. He as he frequents gay clubs. Like he he turns on the Republican Party and Sideshow Bob because uh, it, it disagrees with his choice of lifestyle, as he puts it. Then and then on top of that, in the in the Bill and Josh season seasons, he just dates men and goes mm-hmm. to like goes to Fire Island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I don't agree with the idea that like if Smithers if if Burns was a 
frog, he'd love frogs. It's like, no, no. <laughs> no yeah, exactly. Well, and these days, for the last like four or five years, Smithers is just an openly gay man on the show. He's he's not in the closet or anything. Also, I, I looked up what is the rarest blood type in the United States? It's AB. Hmm. Uh, though apparently, and uh, type O positive is the most common. Though apparently AB being the rarest, it actually is though the most on hand at blood banks because they know it's the rarest. They actually keep it around the most. Uh, and also, you know, some people might say, as, as I first thought, wait a minute, if their blood types don't match, how can he give him his kidney? But uh, technically, if you don't have the same blood type, you might be able to give people your kidney. Hmm, okay. So like, uh, as this is according to a Google search, AB blood type patients can get a kidney from any blood type. A patients can get kidneys from people with O or A type. B patients can get kidneys from O or B type blood. So it is possible that in the fictional world of a double O negative blood, perhaps it can still take a well, kidney from someone else. If we see an x-ray of Smithers on the show from this point onward, there better be one kidney <laughs> yeah. in there. Absolutely. I'll go fucking nuts. <laughs> I also, I'm always terrified of having to give someone my kidney. They're, those <laughs> those boys stay in my body. Hate to break it to you, everybody. There's they're 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 not going anywhere. I think the later uh, George Meyer show run episode of Homer giving the kidney to Abe did make me scared of like, but if I gave a kidney, doesn't that shorten my life? Or can I drink as much? Like all <laughs> all the things that were jokes in that episode, I took as fact and did not read more about no. kidney. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, my kidneys are doing a lot of work, especially over the. The past two years they've got a lot of they've got a lot to process <laughs> you probably guess what you don't even want them that's mm. that's kind of the way i'm treating it it's like it's a car i don't want to give back it's like no no these are mine <laughs> or maybe now nobody even would want our kidneys like we're too old for it just like it's like well you don't have to worry about the draft anymore because they, they wouldn't want you in the army anyway too old like <laughs> same deal kidneys too old but uh but yes as uh everyone realizes that burns doesn't have uh long to live smithers is desperate Attention all employees, our boss and inspiration, Mr. Burns, <laughs> is at death, death's door. If you have type double O negative blood, I implore you to report to the blood mobile outside. That is all. I give him my blood except for one thing. What's that? I don't wanna. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you guys. There's a human being out there with millions of dollars who needs our help. And you don't want to cash in? That's why you losers are stuck in this crummy dead-end job. You know, Homer, I am your supervisor. Sorry, sir. <laughs> that is not consistent in the show carl is not no. written as his uh as his manager but i i love that like uh i've now that i've been on the other side of the workforce not as a child watching this it's like occasionally there can be moments where the person you're joking around with will pull rank on you and you have to be like sorry sir Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I do love for that joke only they put Carl in a tie in this episode or that one scene mm. to just make make it look like he maybe he got promoted yesterday and then he gets <laughs> demoted at the end of the episode. Yeah, everyone's more dressed up. They're all wearing badges. Yeah. And, yeah. and this thing with Homer pinning up the you want it when uh, joke facts, <laughs> it brought me back to the, the days of joke faxes where my mom was at an office. Uh, she was a nurse. She was at an office with a fax machine and she would bring them home like that. This is how memes were spread yeah. in olden times. And the one she hung up in her bedroom was, it was a cat and its hair was in curlers, had a handgun pointed at you, the viewer, and it says, I have a gun in PMS. Any questions? (laughs) So uh, that was being faxed into the hospital. Uh, Now you'd be fired. I love... 
I love that Homer is so into all of these. Uh, like the co- the professional comedy writers of The Simpsons are making fun of what hack signs are and like jokes around the office. Like you want it when like yeah. they. But Homer is so entertained by it. And this time I caught. I love how Bur- he says like he calls Burns our boss and inspiration. Like so, <laughs> so heady. If I was there, I certainly would say like, oh yeah, I I'm, I'm on Carl's side. I don't wanna like yeah. Let him let, let him die. Let this old asshole die. It's always a thing, though. You can always have a worse boss. That's the that's well, uh, sure. and, you know, working for a company, you don't want someone to swoop in, and then now now you're working for the well. Actually, no, the Germans were good, but they fired Homer, so it's kind of Homer is lucky to be where he is. I guess is the <laughs> idea, and maybe 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 leaving well enough alone as best you can is is good. The ge- the Germans fire him because they're good. They're actually like, <laughs> wait, this yeah. man should not work here. This is not a crazy <laughs> sitcom. Like we have to fire this guy. Uh, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, well, I suppose in the event of death, though, it would be inherited by, uh, you know, I guess his mom would take it or just go to the board of directors, perhaps, mm-hmm. I guess. Cut back home. Uh, Maggie is being shown a bunch of flashcards. This is one of those jokes I think uh, Graining is really into the idea that yep. Maggie is secretly the smartest Simpson. Like they've they've put that in so many uh, classic episodes. Yeah, that and I guess it's partially because Lisa is training her with these flashcards for uh, Zeboos and, and lemurs back when we didn't know what lemurs were and the 94 comes around we're all uh, crazy about lemurs yeah, so we're nuts about lemurs <laughs> i i kind of love the uh, lisa's uh, back and forth with marge with you know i'm trying to give her all the advantages i never had and you know obviously it's hilarious because she's a small child anyway and marge is like i don't know we did our best like yeah. <laughs> she's, she's kind of offended by it which i kind of love and then she immediately changes the subject she's like what's yeah, a zebu yes. what's a zebu mm-hmm. no it's so great she's like lisa we did the best we could like yes. she's, it's so funny that uh, marge is like is offended like you're eight like how can you already tell her tell me that you we failed you as parents <laughs> though they have failed her as parents and they, i it not only taught me what a zebu was but also a hump and a doolap i did not know those terms for animal shapes then uh i and you better believe after this as soon as i could get to a reference section of my school library i looked up to see if a zebu was a real thing and then it pulled out the i would guess probably the encyclopedia britannica i would guess at, uh, at my local library uh, zebu is a funny i mean it's a funny word and apparently you know what some people they're they're used all around the world but mainly in india as uh sort of you know pack animal like as in you know like a steer or cattle you would use but a zebu also though they they make they have bred miniature zebus that people have as pets around hmm. the world a domesticated zebu i like this <laughs> uh though they seem like bigger from pictures i saw miniature i mean it's smaller than a zebu a normal one is <laughs> but it's bigger than a big dog like it's not it's not like a tiny little thing it's not cat size. I'd take a cat size zebu. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear those hooves rattling around all night. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mess up all. I'd scratch up the uh, the hardwood floor around my apartment. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yes, this uh, this joke next of them asking her what their blood types are. Homer, as an adult man, should know his blood type. But then again, if I didn't have my uh, driver's license to look at, I'd probably forget as well. I don't know if mine's on my driver's license. This, this episode always makes me think, do I know my blood type? <laughs> I need to call my mom. <laughs> 
I I do know mine only because I gave blood at work once. They were uh, it's a not a rare blood type, but a very sought after blood type. So now the uh, Red Cross calls me all the time. I I do try uh, to give blood and and or platelets like two or three times a year, but I haven't because uh, I'm a very good person. I want to get credit yeah, for this. Uh, you're good anyway. Hey, we... You can. Yeah. <laughs> this is I, I. The thing is, my wife does a lot of like actually good things, like volunteering and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know. You can cut me open and just take this stuff that I'm not using, <laughs> and I could just kind of like listen to music while you do it and feel kind of weak for a day that's that's my thing i'm just thinking a lot of people are hearing about steve's rare blood yeah it's either, <laughs> yeah, it's a, you don't you don't want to dox yourself on your blood type though on the podcast, then. that's why i didn't say it i'll never i'll never i don't want some some freaks coming after me any or any more freaks uh though yeah me as a as a kid this uh this did was one of those jokes that gave me more respect for my mom of like wow my mom has to memorize all that stuff she has to know what my brother or i is allergic to or what our hat size is or whatever and and my mom unlike marge had a full-time job as well she had to remember all that stuff with like it uh, I, I i respect her more now but uh i also i think it's funny that lisa's reaction like you know his blood type how romantic like what <laughs> Of course, in Japan, it is used for matchmaking. That uh, is true. Know, yeah, I always wondered why uh, with anime characters, sometimes it would list like, well, yeah, this Sailor Sailor Moon's blood type is this, but Sailor Venus's blood type is this, and it was, uh, it's it's kind of a horoscope thing. Yeah, it's like much. astrology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense to you. Yeah, I remember like just cards, and, like you know, comic book cards, and God knows, like whenever it gets to blood type, you're like, okay, guys, that's that's, that's a little <laughs> too much information. I'm not going to get anything out of it. But I guess if you you treat it that way, you treat it that way. One of my favorites on the cards of ridiculous things for comic book cards was in the in the first marvel trading cards run which i love so dearly they would make up win loss records like it was a baseball <laughs> card yes <It's> a, <laughs> i remember that <laughs> and and i think i i feel pretty sure they were not based on fact of like if you were to have counted every every time spider-man appeared in a comic book and his wins and losses i don't think that's the actual number i think they just made it up but i i loved <laughs> to imagine they actually counted like <laughs> okay this episode issue he fights two people one win one lost write it down guys yeah you basically have to uh some poor editorial assistant had to like cycle through the archives for those actual uh win loss records <laughs> but uh but yes as they learn bart actually does have this very rare blood which has never been a uh, part of the series ever before or after uh but yeah bart oh wait second time in this season he's given blood Barbara's hey, Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Man, you know, he got shortchanged on his blood at that Thanksgiving at the uh the blood center he gave it yeah. to. This little kid's gushing all over this season. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Do kids give blood? Can kids give blood is a question. Uh you know, I bet in a medical emergency like this yes. he can but yeah i mean the joke in the thanksgiving episode is he needed a fake id to give blood for that uh, i mean i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this soon but isn't that peter peter thiel's kind of thing his, yes uh, to, to stealing blood, blood from babies people. yes yeah mm -hmm. that's his thing <laughs> i allegedly in some articles yes. like i mean you know oh yeah this yeah. is uh I'm, I'm saying if this happened in a video game yeah it'd be a fun yes. premise yeah yeah that's all this is a par we're parodic characters we're not even ourselves here <laughs> on this podcast really. no yeah that's my name is made up yeah yeah but 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 yes uh bart doesn't want to give blood and homer homer's got to talk him into it congratulations boy you've got a date with a needle hey wait a minute i don't have to give blood i have rights you know yeah you have the right to remain silent bart you have to help someone in need it's the only decent thing to do no bart it's not like i'm asking you to give blood for free 
That would be crazy. <laughs> You're a little young to understand this, but when you save a rich man's life, he showers you with riches. Don't you know the story of Hercules and the lion? Is it a Bible story? Yeah, probably. Anyway, <laughs> once upon a time, there was a big, mean lion who got a thorn in his paw, and all the village people tried to pull it out, but nobody was strong enough. So they got Hercules, and Hercules used his mighty strength and... Bingo! <laughs> anyway, the moral is, the lion was so happy, he gave Hercules this big thing of riches. How did a lion get rich? It was the olden days. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great set. Not a great, not a great explanation from Homer there. <laughs> it's great. You know, I, I never considered it till now, but this is uh, kind of foreshadowing of there is no moral to this story that Homer tells or of this episode. Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, the moral is you're given money for doing a good thing. That's the moral of the story. Uh, yeah, even his plan uh, when he tries to explain it does not actually work in in, uh, in any logistical way, shape, or form. And, and Homer should like, okay, if you want to money for it i homer is assuming burns will do it out of the goodness of his heart homer should have at least said like no we are selling you this blood like <laughs> this blood cost you a million dollars give it to us and then you can have the blood uh, apparently this uh there are many thorns out of a lion paws story out there but i think it goes back to androlocles and the lion from uh olden times aesop fables from like uh the roman era i suppose but uh i always as a kid heard more of the the mouse taking it from the lion's mm. paw yes. that the lion's a jerk to the mouse and then the moral of that story is hey just because someone's weaker than you doesn't mean they can't help you and you should be nice to them uh and though in some of the androlocles stories he's given a bunch of money in other ones the lion says oh i owe you a favor and then later androlocles needs some help uh and the lion's like hey i vouch for this guy he helped me out let me <laughs> <laughs> just like a lion that just owes me a favor you yeah. know the, uh, maybe a mafia lion possibly <laughs> I, like this. I, I like where all this is going you want a lion in your corner really uh, I would think at first Androcles was like oh boy a lion owes me a favor great if I ever need a dead zebra I'll get, <laughs> I'll <come to> you. <laughs> we uh, we head over to uh, the blood bank uh, or the blood bank mobile Otto is the driver of it it's one of his second jobs I think it's the first time we've seen him do something other than drive the bus mm. uh, and I agree I love he says like yeah when all my friends are in school I I can't hang out with him, so I got a job as a blood, certified bloodletting tech dude. And uh, and Stephen, could you identify the song he was humming as he uh, was cleaning his hands up? Was this Iron Maiden or it, it no. was Iron Man? Yeah, Iron Man. And I bet course. they had to pay yeah. to get that much of Iron Man on. It's very identifiable of Iron Man. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Using the, using I the wonder... wet nap to clean up is a nice touch too. Yes, I always like that. Huge. Joke. Huge slam on vet te- uh, on blood techs out of nowhere, man. These people work hard. They're not they're not exactly stoners that are using uh, what do you call it there wet naps. I would hope that's true. Yeah, who are both like ate a bunch of fried chicken and then <laughs> changed the uh, the like gears on the on the back of the bus too. Uh, and it's the return of Shakespeare's fried chicken, first seen in the way we was. Uh, I, unfortunately, they don't get that fried chicken as much as they. Uh, it was like a season two thing, really. The Shakespeare's fried chicken. Yeah, usually they just would go to. The crusty burger for fast food jokes yeah after yeah. this <laughs> uh, and uh, so yes then uh, and as smithers shows up uh, i also like that homer's like you hug him hug, <laughs> hug Bart. i don't want to hug you <laughs> yes yeah the, i don't know well he asks who who wants to get hugged first which is like yeah, yeah i'm good man the Thank boy you. the boy <laughs> yeah uh we have a fun little scene of 
passing a blood ma- a bag very quickly and then one guy just he forgets he's in the elevator what a great time killer of a joke there uh and then burns is on his last legs i just laugh every drawing of burns like with his mouth open like nearly yeah. dead is so funny looking i also like the silly sound effect of uh, the blood draining into his body like someone sucking on a hat like a mostly empty soda cup yeah oh so funny and there's i mean honestly he gives him a lot they take a lot of blood from this tiny little kid by the way like, it's a lot yeah a, bag. a full bag like that that does seem like a lot to take out of bart we yes. saw that he yeah. passed out in uh bart versus thanksgiving yeah yeah, that seems like even more blood than that much. Yeah, I, I honestly, it was a real physical risk to Bart, and he deserves to be paid. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I wish they'd show that there was some physical side effect to Bart in this one. But you know what? George Meyer wrote that episode too. The thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, in that one, he tells uh, George Meyer tells the story that he tried to get money for giving blood, and the people at the uh, the blood bank said, like, you just can't show up and give blood. You have to run through a test. You can't just give. Blood blood well we'll talk about another inspiration for this episode later i assume uh but one of them was uh they said on the commentary one of the producers needed a blood transfusion right and right. uh they got the idea like oh what if burns needed one so it all started there so maybe this happened before he wrote bar versus thanksgiving like blood transfusions that's hilarious <laughs> boy <laughs> let's try to guess at the physical uh problems that a simpsons writer was going through then which one <laughs> was it no I'm, I'm not gonna name people but, uh, then burns reads his epitaph which uh this is also feels a bit citizen kane to me not that there's yes. a there's not a scene in citizen kane where he's like where he's dying and he gives his epitaph but uh definitely in the at the start of citizen kane he does say like remember at all times i am an american mm-hmm. like, yes <laughs> but but here's mr burns epitaph we're ready with the transfusion smithers i'm not going to make it i want to dictate my epitaph Go ahead. Charles Montgomery Burns. Mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. And Patriot. American. <laughs> patriot. Master of the Atom. Scourge of the Despot. Oh, tyrant, hear his mighty name and quick smithers and back. Oh, top of the morning to ye. Wait, look who's here. It's good old you hi mr burns (laughs) oh hey there mr brown shoes how about that local sports team mr burns he's okay jackpot (laughs) mr brown shoes mr uh, brown you know how about that local sports team and it works still with strangers you know if 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 ever were i at a party again with strangers in person i would definitely say (laughs) how about that local sports team too um I also love uh, the mustachioed guy that we, we see sometimes, and I love that we refuse to give him a name. Like, we could have <laughs> given him a name here. No, he's just a mustache guy. Yep. Yeah. He's, Only he's like uh, uh, Carl, Lenny, and Charlie, I think, are <laughs> named out of all of his work friends. And Charlie barely counts. Yeah. Charlie only exists of like, well, we need a fourth guy to like die in this scene or have a horrible thing happen. <laughs> it's sucked so. into a tube. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's also, I always laugh seeing Burns' butt, just seeing his bony old behind. Oh, yes. 
we were, this is still the era in which that was a fresh joke. I think that joke happens again in Stark Raving Dad. I could be mistaken, but it happens a few times. It was the era of uh, ill-fitting hospital gown jokes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then, well, and also we saw we saw Burns' butt a few times in his full nude appearance in, uh, in Brush with Greatness. Uh, also, great little effect on the green explosion as Homer, like, drops a very dangerous thing while he says, jackpot! <laughs> Uh, so then Mr. Burns is killing it at High Lie. He has super incredible strength. Oh, man, this wall run is so well animated. I just tweeted out a gif of it I made with yeah. Frankie Ag. It's so great. It's gorgeous. I, lo- I do also love his... Uh, I guess it's... I don't know if they're friends. I assume it's someone he's paying to play High Lie with him or an instructor, possibly. Yeah, that's what I figured. Osvaldo. Osvaldo. Yeah. <laughs> Not, never seen again. Uh, I I knew High Lie as a kid because my dad was a fan of gambling on it. It was one of those things you can gamble. <laughs> on no one nobody would watch highlight if you couldn't give a gamble on it that's what yeah. i think but it was it was but it was a fun you know once you've been on the ponies all day at the track if you see like here's a closed circuit tv of highlights like well all right i mean these are two guys i only got to pick one or the other guy <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna throw that thing first and yeah as uh, as burns then celebrates how he's full of pith and vinegar there's a great bit that was like it was silverman making something a joke because when he says like and all i really needed zoom in is the blood of a young boy like <laughs> silverman wanted it to feel like a bit of a misdirect of like is this episode about burns trying to steal the rest of bart's blood like what? Yeah. just the sinisterness to it is so funny much like a uh, a billionaire that we won't mention ever, ever again yeah yeah just well, parodies and jokes yeah. I, I was looking up on that guy who may not exist and he is very open about this i think he hasn't started doing it yet but he's like no i really want to get uh, regular blood infusions from an 18 year old man and uh it's all about these uh it's all about these uh, billionaires who are trying to like solve death like well no I, i'm gonna live forever i'm very important you see uh we saw it didn't really work out that way for steve jobs but uh, yeah. hey buddy we're rooting for you <laughs> the, re- the mm. rest of them are trying yeah i mean they all think they'll live as long as mr burns you know but like yes. yeah i mean uh well honestly longer they, yeah i mean also with uh peter teal another funny publicly known fact about him is that like he's this very distant weird very rich man and he is giving a ton of money to J.D. Vance, who is trying to re, like, is running <laughs> yep. for uh, the Congress in Ohio on, like, yeah, I'm just a regular guy. I'm sick of these elites. And it's like, your, ma- your main funder is the guy who buys blood and is a billionaire. <laughs> like, oh, man. I, I mean, this is slightly off topic, but I love no matter how much money they throw at that guy, that dog won't hunt. Nope, no. It's not no, going to work. No. No. It's <laughs> never going to happen for him, and it's fantastic. And I mean, it's just the best. Watching he's one of those people that i love to watch fail and i mean like there's so much bad in the world but every so often it's like he'll never be anything that's kind of cool yeah it's uh the jd vance the only person who's going to beat him will be another republican so you can't root too hard for the guy who's going to beat him but it's like oh yeah the, this jd vance looks so fake and phony to even the average republican voter he's like no this guy's full of shit <laughs> like <laughs> and i mean it doesn't help him that he tried to rebrand as like oh i'm an anti-trump guy and then later after that didn't work he's like oh did i say anti-trump no 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 i <laughs> I, I'm just as pro Trump as anybody. I love that dude. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. He, well, once, you know, once his movie failed and people didn't accept him as uh, the hillbilly whisperer, he's like, <laughs> ah, fuck. All right. Well, you know what? Actually, I agree with Trump and uh, I'm going to trigger you liberals. 
Yeah. Any, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bart is named to Burns as the man who gave, as the boy who gave him the blood. And it's just, uh, Burns forgets the Simpsons names three times <laughs> in this episode. It's so great. <laughs> and it's another mislead. He's like, oh, they'll get something very nice from me. Very nice yes. indeed. I love yes. that's such a great joke. My, I, I, it feels like a George Meyer joke that this person laughs knowingly, but within as a sitcom mislead, it works great. But if you take it as reality, this person is insane. Why is he laughing like very nice indeed? A card that just says thank you. Like, why is that making him laugh so hard? It's just maybe he's just so excited for them to not to think that they aren't going to get a card at all. But oh no, they'll get a card. They'll <laughs> he, get a very impersonal card they would think i wouldn't send a card but they're getting a card the nicest <laughs> thing anybody's ever gotten from mr burns uh so yes it cuts to home homer's throwing out bills which uh they they build on this joke for an even better joke in the george meyer written mr lisa goes to washington uh and then uh, when he sees burns the address is on mammon street which is correct for the thanksgiving episode <laughs> that is the street that burns lived on in that episode and uh <laughs> and and homer is so excited excited he's losing it i just love he picks up Bart. he's like oh boy oh boy and then he even just like telling lisa do something and she just turns on the sprinkler <laughs> uh but as Homer, oh uh, by the way they're yes. at 94 evergreen terrace we're not at 742 oh, evergreen terrace said it yet wow i missed that i was my eyes were drawn to the return address i didn't even miss that it's uh, yeah 742 will be the address uh it'll be like used as not their address a couple times before it finally becomes their address but that's that's more of a season four thing yeah uh but yes i as homer opens it up his slow realization that it is nothing and he got nothing the uh my favorite bit is lisa sadly just uh, like but silently (laughs) just turning off the sprinkler i know i'm not a jerk like homer but when i get a card for my birthday or christmas uh i'll open it up not like and shake it but as soon as i open it up and nothing falls out i'm like okay maybe telling me where i can pick up my gift <laughs> uh, now as uh, i as a kid would certainly in a very selfish way of like oh birthday card open it open it uh sideways not to read it but to see what falls out like all right is this a check or cash if it's a, if it's cash it's mine right now if it's a check i gotta give it to mom to take to the bank but how it, I'm, I'm very jerry seinfeld how soon can i turn this throw this away <laughs> I, I, I hold on to nothing it's it's very nice of you that you got me a card. Yes, the gift card is uber important, obviously. I do think now in the world of digital gift cards, you do sort of lose that. I mean, I, I know whatever, who cares? But like, so now it's like you get a card and it's like, oh, I also emailed you a gift card. <laughs> a, a gift card. It's like, well, then then why give me the card? Just write me a nice email. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, let's go full digital for doing it. Yeah, you know what? The Postal Service has a lot of, uh, <laughs> on their plate right now. Let's, <laughs> let's not involve the garbage man in this. <laughs> Uh, no, you know, uh, Bob, you gave me so much insight into why gift cards are good as a gift for people. Now it's, they're not impersonal or just like, oh, you don't think it. it's to tell somebody like, I want you to have fun at this place. I give you permission to spend money at this, mm-hmm. on this meal yes. or on this video game. Have at it. Personalized gift cards rule. Uh, Amazon gift cards are like, I don't care about you or the environment. <laughs> or we're at. That's true. If, if it's an Amazon gift card, it's like, buy whatever. I don't care, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have coffee filters you need to use it on that i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yes homer homer is losing it at this idea of uh, what little he was given 
Boomer, you don't do things like that to be rewarded. You do them because a fellow human being needs a helping hand. Marge, you're my wife, and I love you very much, but you're living in a world of make-believe with flowers and bells and leprechauns and magic frogs with funny little hats. Yeah, Mom, we got hosed. We got exactly what we wanted out of this. We gave an old man a second chance. I promised my boy one simple thing. Lots of riches. <laughs> and that man broke my promise. Well, I've had it. Bart, take a letter. Dear Mr. Burns, I'm so glad you enjoyed my son's blood. And your card was just great. In case you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. You stink. Could you read that last part back to me? You stink. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you are a senile buck-toothed old mummy with bony girl arms, and you smell like... An elephant's butt? <laughs> An elephant's butt. <laughs> uh, okay, there's a lot here. I, first thing on the sarcastic thing. I love how many levels that works on, because yeah, yeah. the way Homer says it... It's so obvious he's being sarcastic that you would not need to say, in case you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. But then the next step is about how if you were to write down your sarcastic <laughs> thoughts in tone-free text, <laughs> it you actually do need to tell someone you're being sarcastic. We didn't have uh, sarcasm tags yet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and I mean, on Mr. Show, they did an even better joke with this idea of just like, oh, I love your cereal. I want to have it in a box of it every single day uh, <laughs> they keep sending it uh but uh, oh but yes they they also use that joke i mean it's really close to the flaming mose in case you can't because he starts by calling the telling marge that she's in a fair a fantasy world and not in a gumdrop house on lollipop lane but close and yes. then in case you couldn't tell i'm being sarcastic it's very very similar yeah the, the acting is not quite as extreme as it would become yes. in that one this is like the practice version mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this uh yeah it was there was something for silverman like this was a breakthrough moment for silverman he talks about it on the commentary but like when he heard this delivery by Castellaneta of these lines for Homer, he's like, you know what, layout guy, give me this. I'm going to basically animate or at least like pose out this entire sequence. That's why Homer pops into like eight different uh, yeah. moves. Like this grew then into that one. Uh, and then I'd say even bigger was Homer's speech of uh, in front of the sugar pile is, is even bigger than this one. <laughs> and it was just huge. Like uh, I believe silverman calls it his homer's fairy voice is is what they put in quotes for it uh but yes it's so i mean his i love to like if it wasn't so humorously animated it would come off as extremely cruel to think like you know to tell to your spouse i i love you very much but you live in a land of make-believe like you're a fucking idiot like, god yeah he's such an asshole and uh i just love the staging i'm looking at it on frankiac and i love how uh, speaking of citizen kane you can see the ceiling of the kitchen and the uh, camera's like on the ground almost looking up at the table from below yeah man there it's it's not as flat as they'd get to do it in, in later ones like this is kind of a peak for them animation wise in a certain way and the, one of the sad, saddest things is probably Bart's best memory as a child is when his dad rubbed his head after he said an elephant's butt. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like so much affection. Uh, and it's a really nice, again, the blocking is fantastic because it's really well animated. But it's like, yeah, an elephant's butt. <laughs> uh, 
And so this entire five minutes of the episode uh, is actually a tribute uh, slash ripping off of a classic Honeymooners episode. Is this, or, is this set on the commentary? Or? They do say, okay, they say, I must have missed it. So on the commentary, they say some people have pointed out this is similar to the Honeymooners, but I watched the episode Letter to the Boss. It is exactly <laughs> this one. And yes. not to sound like a, uh, an old, old man, but you know what, them honeymooners, that doesn't get better in sitcom writing. But it, do- it really doesn't. Like, yeah. And and performance. I'm a mm. huge honeymooners guy. And I, I actually, it was funny because I, I, I haven't watched honeymooners in a while for whatever reason. But I looked up uh, just the, the the script of that episode, just to sort of like, is it that close? And it is. And I was just laughing because you could hear uh, how Gleason would said it. Like, the you dirty bum, the amount of uh, <laughs> juice that gentleman got from the word bum is just... Oh. I'm sure you could you could see you could see the set the walls and the set swaying back and forth. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh man, swaying in the breeze. <laughs> like uh, I think Silverman on the commentary said uh, this Homer and Bart team up. They're very much like Fred and Barney, and he that was said to Silverman in a complimentary way. So I can see like Jackie Gleason and Art Carney. Yes, yeah. they're they're borrowing a lot from that dynamic. No, this is just Ralph and Norton. So yeah, in in the episode, uh, which also would have been fresh in their minds writing this in 1990 because the letter to the boss episode was not in the uh, short honeymooners history thing there were the classic episodes of honeymooners which was 39 episodes and that's what played in syndication for eight million for decades pretty much and then there were episodes that were technically episodes of the jackie gleason show and people thought oh these are lost forever they don't exist uh and then in the 80s a television historian discovered some kinescopes of a few of those lost episodes and that then led uh the uh, late in life jackie gleason himself to discover to like oh i actually do have the originals of all of these lost episodes and so they were put back into uh circulation and it was this rediscovery of how great the honeymooners was so letter to the boss was actually like a new honeymooners episode <laughs> to sitcom writers back then the quick version of the story is ralph is told at work like give us your uniform you're not going to need it anymore he he thinks he's been fired he decides he's going to write an angry letter to his boss norton dictates it for him just as bart dictates it uh from homer uh he tells norton to mail it off and then ralph meets one of his old work buddies who tells him well yeah you just got a promotion that's why they asked you to <laughs> give up your your thing he tries to get norton to not mail the letter norton has already mailed it they even have a battle in front of the mailbox that is interrupted by the mailman who takes the mail from them. And, oh, wow. But uh, the the twist at the end of that one is even better than the twist in this episode of it, which is Ralph Cramden is there for his boss reading the letter. And he's like, oh, look at these things. A crank letter. You get these every once in a while <laughs> in management, Cramden. Let me read it to you. And then Ralph is like, Jackie Gleason, his face is perfect. He's just losing it. And then the guy gets to the end of it and he's says like sincerely etc etc the guy didn't even write his name uh, and it's because norton took this dictation uh, and jackie gleason said sincerely etc etc and so norton just wrote etc etc okay and then ralph like drops dead <laughs> he just like, he like passes out it's such 
a great it's one of the funniest things apparently you can uh, watch it on tubi and i was just thinking there's a seinfeld that's a lot like that and they update the technology and it's either jerry or george they need to get answering machine tape from a girlfriend's apartment i think it's that, george that's right oh, yeah. yes yeah that's right also it has a joke that the monsters inc stole or uh or did an homage to <laughs> norton and ralph are talking about how like well then we're gonna break into the mailbox and steal the mail and they don't realize that a police officer is right behind them as they're describing it <laughs> and so when the police officer says like so what was that again and then ralph after a lot of humana humana ralph says uh yes those were lines we were running for a play and uh, <laughs> we'll invite you to the play buddy that's what mike and sully say when they get caught talking about the uh, the lost child it's like oh it's a play but in monsters inc they go the extra mile of then having the play performed live <laughs> at the end of the movie i forgot about that yes and that movie co-directed by david silverman all right we're back in the simpsons ah. okay <laughs> but yes everybody look that up on tubi if you can it's uh, or somewhere else it really 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 is funny i i hate i hate to sound old and say like no this this 70 year old thing is hilarious but it really is the kids don't i mean the kids don't watch enough honeymooners and i do think uh i imagine it holds up because i can't imagine it's super you know quote unquote problematic because i don't talk about anything except for like the bus you know what i mean <laughs> yes. like there's almost no race stuff because everyone's white yeah uh, you know what i mean etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's like sort of yeah I, I imagine it holds up fairly okay in that context I don't think it's eating ace. Every show on TV now is about aspirational people who have like great lives and great, like in the episode I watched, they do jokes about how he's like, if I lose this job, like we're screwed. Like we have no savings. We got to move back in with your parents. And then, and then he says, we'll probably have to move to a terrible tiny apartment. And then he walks around the set that there (laughs) is their apartment and the whole audience explodes with laughter. Cause like they know your apartment is shit already. (laughs) Yeah. but uh, so yes in this case bart is the ed norton who uh and marge is the alice telling her like can you can you sleep on it though in uh in the honeymooners ralph says like basically just says shut up and get out of here i'm gonna write it down right now get the hell out like he's he's much meaner than homer is to marge yeah i guess that's what that's what doesn't hold up so much is the uh constant threats of physical abuse from the husband (laughs) yeah that that that, that'll 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 ruffle a feather or two probably rightfully so but it's right but it's realistic for the 50s you can't can't deny that yeah (laughs) not uh, but yes, Homer is convinced to sleep on it, and he dreams of uh, first shaking all the money out of Burns, which I love the animation on that. And and then the very corny music as Burns turns into sur- a syrup bottle and he eats pancakes. It's uh, it's such a great, fun uh, little dream sequence uh, in, a, in a, like a thought bubble, like out of a comic strip. And I love how well both Homer, uh, sorry, both Marge and Bart know Homer more than he knows himself. They both realize you will be very angry you're super emotional but then you'll immediately get over it and be distracted by something like food yeah both bart and marge know that uh that homer homer is already famous for his extreme mood swings uh also, I, I do love the animation on the on the dream sequence it's a very early simpsons thing with that one color dream mm. kind of a thing they're they're both green it reminds me very much of i think homer uh explaining what happened uh or his night out I, I, uh, where yeah. it's perfect i've tried to i've lost that but yes yeah. yeah yeah no i mean also it's like his uh his dream sequence uh well definitely his his golden slumbers dream sequence in uh in season three is he's falling asleep while driving uh um, yes 
but uh but yeah and then uh this always makes me hungry for pancakes because that big <laughs> pile of pancakes looks so good mm-hmm, man i but i mean i i love pancakes which are a great breakfast they're not it's just a, like dessert it's a know? point of contention on this podcast yes, I'm, a, I'm the waffle guy <laughs> it's interesting my wife had pancakes we went to brunch the other day she had pancakes and i was like you know i have not willingly had pancakes in about 25 years and i think wow. it's because i'm more of a waffle person mm. but the pancakes looked and i tried them they were delicious and i might henry I, right now i'm a bob but by the end of this year i might be a henry we'll find out <laughs> you know i i do understand though that pancakes are like one of the easiest things to make at home so going to a restaurant like that's where i'd be like why well, I, I can make pancakes at home but i can't make like eggs benedict or whatever like yeah. so maybe yeah. i should order something fancier there uh but yes we as homer wakes up and is is happy and decides not to mail it we cut to part happily whistling as he walks it down into the mailbox and and that should have been the act break they are so yeah. uh nervous about this show and where to put the act break that this has the longest first act in the entire show's history this is a two-act episode yes yeah it's yeah. it's crazy this this is 11 minutes 11 seconds when it hits the commercial break which yes longest that I, is I halfway have, of the episode i have 15 minutes oh fi- really yeah oh, wow man. that that yeah. bart putting the thing in the mailbox that is not the act break and it should be oh okay oh yeah. then it's when homer gets thrown out of the thing that's that's yeah. the oh. one act break in the episode they'd never do it again but they were talking about in the commentary we wanted uh the stakes to be very high we wanted to show you the effects of what the letter did before we did an act break but i think bart putting the letter in the mailbox could have been the act break yes. okay see i read it is that i you're you're right you're right yeah the, uh but yes we uh we then cut back to homer freaking out and this is when he asked bart if he has seen that letter <laughs> it didn't just get up and walk away bart have you seen the letter yep all right Think very carefully. Where did you see it last? The last place I saw it uh-huh. was in my hand. Yeah? As I was shoving it into the mailbox. Oh! Why did you do that? Dad, there were things in the letter that had to be said, and I know you. You're an emotional guy. Just because you were mad last night is no guarantee you'd be mad in the morning, so I think... Are you mad in the morning? (laughs) Ah, 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 Homer, you encouraged him. You should be strangling yourself. (laughs) (laughs) She's right. (laughs) Okay, Jake Homer, don't panic. They don't pick up the mail till noon. There's still time. Bart's delivery of like the last place I saw it. <laughs> like he's dragging it out to really yeah. get home. It there. really feels like that commentary by Marge should have been the last strangling joke we had because she's pointing <laughs> out how violent an act it is. And it's kind of disturbing because when Marge is yelling at Homer, he still has his hands wrapped around Bart's neck and Bart is like pounding on his fists yes, yeah, with his like, hands. Stop, please. God. It's, it's like the only time she intervenes. Every other time she, I guess it's because of the logic of the situation. She's like, now Homer, in this one instance i think you shouldn't strangle our son because you encouraged him otherwise yes you should strangle him go strangle away and i also love how then in the animation he goes like she's right and he like is reaching at his own throat for just a second he's like oh should i literally strangle myself no 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 he pulls his hands away but also the big cutaway to outdoors on the dough like that's always fun a bit uh, homer dough so loud that like ned can hear yes. it from outside and on the zoom in of bart explaining it it's like that's again just a great like directorial choice it's like a dutch angle and a zoom in on bart as he explains it you know so yes 
then it's time to battle the mailbox uh, again <laughs> exactly how it goes in the honeymooners episode they uh they don't try to water the mail they just pick up the mailbox and then the uh postman shows up and he says he says what are you doing and then jackie gleason or ralph says oh uh some kids had flipped it over and we're putting it back <laughs> so uh, everything's fine i like how homer promises he's got a little trick up his sleeve and it's just violence yes. it's just physical violence <laughs> just- and barney of course is uh fighting the power which i, I just love <laughs> that uh just having no idea what the situation is but yeah let's kick some mailboxes <laughs> it's like uh, we're taking down the government one mailbox at a time and barney's here for it yeah. <laughs> uh and then it's over to gets the great idea that he's just going to destroy every piece of mail that's in that uh i love his like bart is the one who's more responsible here and he homer's speech about like uh dear so-and-so <laughs> like uh, blah, sign blah blah, 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 blah. blah. sign who cares yeah. <laughs> yours yes. truly some bozo big loss uh, and uh, uh, and yes, and then the mail carrier who arrives—it's the one who delivered the spy camera to Bart in Homer's night out. Well, no wonder she knows where they live. That's right; she's sick of them already. <laughs> Again, another great line from Homer: "Like, there's no point in running away since you uh, deliver your mail carrier, and you know who I am." That's right. Well, I'm still gonna run. <laughs> and Bart just like goes like, "Well, okay," and just walks away. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to this feels like a late edition of a, a very simple B plot, but I love it. The ghost writer for Burns's book. I want the whole world to hear the story of my harrowing struggle with hypohemia. Well, sir, Mr. Roman is one of the finest ghost writers in the business. He's written like hell I can't up from the muck. The unsinkable said Rudin Mabaradad. Excellent. All right. All right. First question. Have you slept with anyone famous? Well, Countess von Zeppelin did I... What in place? Now you listen to me, you bargain basement Baudelaire. I'm not some dizzy starlet who can't string two words together. I can write this thing myself. You're fired. Oh, God. Everything about it. I mean, this isn't either the episode. It just gives Burns more plot. And I feel like if this was like even five episodes earlier in season two, James L. Brooks would have said, your B plot can't be about Burns. It has to be about yeah. one of the family members. <laughs> yeah. A Burns story with a Burns B plot. Yes. Yeah. They were obsessed with him. Uh, this this whole thing, a great design on the very wormy ghostwriter. Like he's so great and that he instantly is like, well, do you have sex with anybody? famous the person he names is uh baron von zeppelin died in 1917 just to show you how <laughs> old the countess would be uh and yes these uh i mean the unsinkable said rudin mabaradad uh is kind of a reference to titanic su- survivor the unsinkable molly brown mm. uh played by uh kate kathy bates kathy bates thank you uh stevens kathy bates in uh, the titanic film they really like the name said rudin mabaradad it would come up two more times and we'll count them every time believe yes, you me yeah. <laughs> one's in camp crusty one's in another place uh and also like hell i can't that is a reference to sammy davis jr's yes i can uh which will also be quoted in like father like clown uh, where he says the jews are a swinging bunch of people but it's so great that burns just like throws it out and just goes like the second he's asked like have you slept with anybody famous he's like get out of here i can write this myself <laughs> and also apparently he subscribes to the new york 
Yorker. There's this erudite crip about him being a bargain basement Baudelaire. Yes. It's very uh, unburns for me, but very humorous. Uh, uh, we already covered, sorry, we already uh, recorded uh, Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington, also written by George Meyer. And George Meyer loves making fun of bad writing. Mm-hmm. We don't hear a lot of it in this, but what we do hear is superb. And I, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love every second of it. Yes. It's so good. Uh, and speaking of great writing, this joke is oh, like an yes. all-timer Simpson scene as we arrive at the post office. Hello, my name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. Okay, Mr. Burns. Uh, what's your first name? I don't know. <laughs> great plan, Bart. <laughs> uh, Here's the thing. Uh, they're not comfortable with making Homer that stupid, so they have to add the tag. Great plan, Bart. That's true. Yes. yes. <laughs> Though I guess, I mean, it makes him dumb enough to listen to Bart's plan. But I mean, that's... One, yeah. one needless touch I love in this little establishing shot of the post office is you see this great mural. And if you go into the oldest post offices in your city, there will usually be one of those if they're old enough because during the Depression, uh, the WPA they would pay artists to just make art isn't that a crazy idea when the economy's bad the government makes jobs yeah (laughs) no no man sorry Uh, Jack not gonna gonna fly well fortunately we'll never have that again like uh, it it only led to like the biggest economic expansion in American history right after that whatever there's a really cool one in our Berkeley post office that is uh, rapidly deteriorating as everything is in this country I I think of I thought of our post office as I saw that painting I was like oh yeah our ancient post office uh, is a is a perfect example of like america falling apart that the last time it had an investment made into it uh, was now i'd say 90 years ago <laughs> and it's just falling apart and i can't i i hate going to that post office every time i go to that post office i leave it incredibly furious but i can't but part of my anger is I don't even want to be mad at the people who work there because I'm like, yeah, you guys have nothing. I know you have nothing. Like you, <laughs> you're given, you're giving me exactly what you should give me, which is the nothing you're given. You know, I understand, but it's it's uh, infuriating the post office. But but yes, just the voice Homer puts on to pretend to be Mr. Burns, uh, and also just his the confidence of I don't know. That's, <laughs> the uh, the amount. <laughs> Also, the speed in which uh, Azaria gets his straight man line out, just like, okay, Mr. Burns. Like, and it, it's he's not try- like you could play it where you're trying to catch him, but he's literally just asking a man what his first name is. Mm-hmm. And uh, his uh, plan just easily falls apart. I love it. <laughs> and uh, I I know from experience when we interviewed David Silverman, the director of this episode, the one, one time we had him on our podcast, he actually d- does say, I don't know in reaction to questions <laughs> if, about Simpsons history if he does not recall them, which is, is great. <laughs> To, to know that Simpsons people quote Simpsons themselves even was, was such a fun thing to find out. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, we quick cut to Mr. Burns where we hear the his, his next chapter title. <laughs> so funny. A trip to the infirmary with most unexpected results. <laughs> <laughs> Which if you're reading this book, it is not unexpected. You know he doesn't die. You're reading his book. <laughs> I, I love the, the just the premise of the book is about his struggle with this disease that uh, has only affected him once yes. at the age of a hundred just once and it worked out just fine really quickly Uh, and just the satisfaction on Burns's face every time he writes an incredible cliche because he thinks he's the first person to ever think of it like um, what what I think of when I see these autobiographies now is uh, I'm sure it was happening
happening back then and even earlier, but I feel like it's happening with even greater magnitude that whenever anyone is running for president, yes, their autobiography yes, is yes. immediately released. There's got to be a ghostwriter, and it always has a title like Courage yes, or yes. like um, Building Strength or whatever, just these very broad, generic titles. Well, I mean, not that he was the first one to do it, but it were it really did work very well for Barack Obama. Like his that dude is on his like eighth autobiography. Frankly, I've heard enough. (laughs) So you're the first black president we get, and we get no, no. Now he's teaming up with Bruce Springsteen to write books. It's true. Yeah. I like a mystery novel by those two guys. But, but yeah. oh, no, oh, like uh, like Clinton's mystery novel, yes. the president is he's, missing. Oh, he's got one mystery; he doesn't want anyone to solve. No. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, Obama did it so well, and everybody loved his book that everybody's like, "Well, yeah. if I'm going to run for president, I have to sell these books." And also, like, it's why it's why as much as we love Bernie Sanders, people like get him. I'm like, you're technically worth two million dollars. He's like, yeah, I sold a book. Okay, give me a. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and those books always sell for whatever reason. People want to be people want to old people want to read books called Moving Mountains or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> our our friends on podcast the ride spotlit a guy who's like uh, his one was called like There's always a paddle coming for your ass. Like that. <laughs> uh, that uh, unfortunately, Joe Biden's is called Promises to Keep. Now, uh, mm. slightly ironic these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's not Promises too late. to make. Uh, I you know I bet he could technically say when he said ten thousand dollars of college debt forgiveness that wasn't a promise it was a suggestion he said doll hairs you weren't listening (laughs) and really bob it was technically two thousand dollars yes he completed the two thousand dollars as he always promised anyway um, uh so yes uh then homer is going to uh try one last chance to get the letter which is exactly what ralph cramden does he sneaks into his boss's office and gets caught as well for operation mail take uh though (laughs) though his boss doesn't pretend he's about to stab him uh but yes burns reads his letter who are you don't tell him give him a fake name homie simpson don't simpson simpson why there's a letter here from you i'll just read it right now dear mr burns i'm so glad you enjoyed my son's blood and your card was just great why simpson (laughs) you've made my day you're a true gentleman. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be on Hello, my... there's more. <laughs> In case you can't tell, I'm being sarcastic. You stink. You are a senile, buck-toothed old mummy with bony girl arms, and you smell like an elephant's butt. <laughs> hey, come on, Joey. You have to twist my arm? Homer, I don't tell you how to do your job, okay? I could crush him like an ant, but it would be too easy. No, revenge is a dish best served cold. I'll bide my time until... Oh, what the hell, I'll just crush him like an ant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, so 16 minutes in, first act break. Go ahead, Steven. Oh, no, bony girl arms. Gonna make me laugh every time. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, buck-toothed old mummy. I, uh, I, whenever, if I call somebody old an old mummy, I think of this. The, but, yeah, the, I think, too, uh, I, this is a short Henry's Tale of Tape, but I always, I never get to hear the end of that one in my childhood videotape of this because we messed up on the pause. We wanted to cut out this commercials and so didn't hear Burns' uh, amazing last line 
line of this scene for so many years until I got the DVDs. <laughs> but I, I love that at this point, even Burns is sick of his big flowery speech. He's like, eh, forget it. I'll clear some on Yeah. <laughs> Though Silverman on the commentary misremembers, he says that this is the uh, first time Homer's brain has talked to him, which is not true. It was three episodes earlier in Lisa's Substitute. Mm. That was the first time Homer's brain spoke to him. Uh, but Silverman does credit Brad Bird, uh, you know, animation and uh, live action director superstar Brad Bird. It was his idea to have the camera pan up to Homer's brain and pan <laughs> down. Like that was that was his idea. That's a great choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, I do love is like Burns reads that and compliments him and what a silly thing like, hello, there's more like, you know, there's more text on it. That's such a great line. And this is when we also meet Joey, the very businessman like goon who he'll get a different name later. Uh, when he's, he's either Crusher or Low Blow. Right, right, right. But here he's just I love that he has a goon on retainer, uh, like a guy that is absolutely willing to beat somebody up. A hundred percent. No problem. And it's uh, he likes too. yeah, that you know that maybe it's because I've been watch, uh doing a full rewatch of the entire series of Sopranos. But it reminded me so much like in Sopranos, that's taken as reality. A guy who's just like, yeah, I play poker with him a few times. Good guy. Will you beat the shit out of him? Oh yeah, consider it done. <laughs> Got it right there. Like yeah, just the the sociopathy of these t- of these big friendly guys who once you tell them like, well, it's part of your job to beat him up. Like consider it done. I'm horribly beaten. Gonna do it. <laughs> like same with him saying like, do you have to twist my arm? And yeah, Silverman regrets that it. Uh, they changed the line that it originally was like, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yes, I do. It's called being compliance. Like that's the line. But I, I kind of like better the line of uh you know homer do i tell you how to do your job like <laughs> i mostly think of this joey guy as the uh guy in martyrs of the monorail who is told i like the way snrub thinks that he's oh. the skeptical guy <laughs> yeah. who doesn't believe mr yeah. Strub isn't mr burns that's right he's ready to beat the shit out of smithers and burns in that moment <laughs> they have to run out they have to grappling hook out of there like out of 1989's batman <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, Homer has been fired. He's thrown out. Burns then uh, even signs his pink slip. An amazing penmanship. Aunt Smithers back. It's a yeah. nice little touch of acting there. I love it's like liver spots. Did I? Like, that's a good <laughs> oh, yes. I think one of them is blank. Would we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, he, I love that he's just. It's not enough. He's, he's he wants he wants blood actually, which is kind of funny. No, that that's such a great like misdirect too. Yeah. And he says. Yes. It feels so strange. I just destroyed a man's life with this pen, and yet I feel so empty. You know what? I haven't beaten to a bloody pulp. Like it's, <laughs> it's uh, in a lesser sitcom, it would have been him saying like, you know what? I shouldn't fire him. Why? I, there's something wrong with me. And say so he's like, oh no, this this isn't satisfying because he still has his bodily function. Like he's not horribly beaten and put in the hospital. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Homer is reflecting on how much he his life is ruined in this fun little clip. Honey, what's done is done. No matter what happens, we'll pull through. We always do. Okay, here's a plan. You can move in with your sisters and raise the kids, and I'll die in a gutter. It's practical and within our means. <laughs> they always told me I was going to destroy the family, but I never believed it. That's okay, Bart. Nobody really believed it. <laughs> we were just trying to scare you. I love that line so much like that. And that, I think, comes from the same. I'm going to 
I think it's a George Meyer line because it feels so much like the mean family interactions that are in part of Thanksgiving. Uh, just the Bart saying like, oh yeah, everybody has always told me you ruined this. You're going to destroy this. Mm-hmm. And that Lisa has to give up the game of like, no, he didn't really mean that. We were just trying to scare you. It was just being cruel to you saying that stuff. <laughs> but also just Homer's Homer's like, it's practical and within our means. Like, great, great <laughs> delivery. <laughs> well, speaking of great deliveries yes. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there, there are so many line readings that were burned into my developing brain, and this is definitely one of them, and I get excited whenever I hear it. <laughs> yes. It says, could you imagine uh, in this next clip, could you imagine now hearing Harry Shearer try this hard? No. <laughs> you know Homer Simpson? Yeah, nice guy. Play poker with him once in a while. Mm-hmm. We um, need him beaten up. You got it. Wait. What is it? Uh, <laughs> nothing. Wait. What? Beat, but don't kick. Hold the kicks. Got it. Wait. What? Uh, um... Um, hey, what did homie do anyway? He saved Mr. Burns's life. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Mr. Burns' life. Hey, you get some phlegm in there, which you will not get Harry Shearer ever showing. <laughs> no. Well, he's got a lot of phlegm now, but that's just because he's like in his 80s, you know. It just it's happens yeah, to all. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, just as like, like when you're, you're getting so, into Cookie Monster territory uh, there. Well, when it you know when it bubbles up and you're that <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Also, another like great little moment is when Joey turns around to say what, like the way he like kind of bounces and puts his hands on, like in a shrug. He's like, what? Like, yeah. that's another great drawing, too. And also, you know what? This uh, kind of precedes his characterization in Who Shot Mr. Burns when Smithers is, you know, Mr. Bowtie and very a feet and shaven and all that. But when he's in stress, he's a smoker. He stops Drinker. shaving, drinking. Yeah. I, I definitely think in the design for Smithers and Who Shot Mr. Burns, they looked back to this of like, okay, what's a strung out Smithers look like? <laughs> He's not coughing up an entire ashtray's worth of uh, debris, though. Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> uh, also, it's a great little thing. Like, he's looking at a photo of Burns and Homer at the same time as a way to express how embattled he is. Like, that's a really good, just like, you know, animation choice. Like, S- Silverman yes. and his team are doing a great job in this. It, it shows, I've, I've said it a million times, but I think in underrated thing about why people don't think that the show went down in quality that is not spoken to is thanks to the success of king of the hill and a bunch of other animated shows they lost like 80 percent of their animation team in the late 90s and Mm -hmm. there was really no rebuilding from that they they had such great artists on it before that they they could never really catch up and so Smithers decides it's time to confront Mr. Burns as Mr. Burns finishes his important work in our next clip. <laughs> in closing, gentle reader, I'd like to thank you. What's that you say? Me thanking you? <laughs> no, it's not a misprint. For you see, I enjoyed writing this book as much as you enjoyed reading it. The end. Ah, Smithers, how'd the beating go? There, I, there was no beating. What? Well, that's a hell of a thing. Why? Because I... I called it off. Judas! I'm sorry, sir, but I just couldn't hurt Homer Simpson. He saved your life. I see. I know you're mad at me, but I think it's only fair to warn you. I'm going to stand outside the gate until you forgive me. No need, Smithies. As usual, you've been the sober ying to my raging yang. Put her there, old pal. 
sir. Well, I wish this handshake would never end. I'm afraid we still have the Simpson matter to attend to. We do indeed, old friend. We do indeed. Uh, I consider Henry my sober Ying. Uh, and I'm the raging no, Yang. No, I'm the raging Yang. Oh, okay, got it. Oh, you can't you. both be the raging Yang, guys. <laughs> Bob called the Yang. I, I, <laughs> I call Yang. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great scene, too, because it's like a parody of a sitcom, because that's the end of a sitcom there when they shake hands and make up, and then it lasts a little too long, and Smithers has to go like, well, technically this isn't the end of the episode. We have to do another thing. And, <laughs> and then Bird's going like, we do indeed old friend we do indeed i love the uh phrasing well that's a hell of a thing yes the, idea the, the, the beating a asking how the beating went was, oh it went great he got the shit kicked out of him it was fantastic <laughs> and then he's like well that's a hell of a thing why would that happen what the hell <laughs> uh and of course yes the great it's one of like the worst cliches in writing <laughs> like oh what's that me thanking you no it's not a misprint oh so good <laughs> i think i read like an orson scott card that had an intro like that oh, God. <laughs> oh he's awful <laughs> yes that it was not a joke in his case no then. yeah it yeah. was like you're such a genius for buying ender's game but you know what i'm a genius for writing it <laughs> we're all great together uh but uh, so yes it cut we have a quick cut to mo's bar as uh mo gets a prank call for mike Roch. mike Roch. uh missing tooth on mo yeah. uh, i'm on missing tooth watch oh. and it's not there I mean, uh, it is there. Oh, good, good. The missing tooth is there, so the tooth is not there. <laughs> uh, I love the sla- the cut to Bart and Lisa laughing on the phone. Such a great drawing. I love that. And and also nice detail that, like, Homer is the only one not laughing because he's that unhappy. And and this is before they got the mugs at, at Moe's. They're drinking out of the tall, uh, like, uh, drinking glasses instead of that, instead of the mugs they normally drink. Yes, that was weird. I saw that, too. It's like, okay, this is, it's a, it seems like a nicer bar all of a sudden. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I also loved uh, to just hearing Mo very concernedly saying, like, you should not drink to forget your problems. <laughs> yeah, that's not a very Mo thing to say. Yes, yeah. We're coming, uh, we've already recorded, but in the parent rap, Mo pulls a gun on Homer and robs him of his $600 pants. Like, that's that's how different Mo is 10 years later. I mean, we've, we've seen the Mo, uh, like, beer steins before, but I think he's trying to class up the place. But you know what? When you get a beer mug like that, a big class like that, the, uh, the, the rim is always chipped. You're going to yeah. feel a little bit yes. of chip on that rim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you can't send them all back. That's that's rule number one. Just move turn the glass around both rims won't be you know both edges of the room won't be won't chip just drink around it it's a fun game to try to not cut your lips you know it's part, it's part of the excitement <laughs> keeps you on your toes uh i also i like hearing barney say uh, yeah you should only drink to enhance your social skills that's a great line from old barney and uh, i love burns uh, seucing it up on the elevator both the voice yeah. acting and the animation mm-hmm. uh just very very good just a static shot of him just moving upwards delivering all of this very fun dialogue and the extra uh, challenge too that they make it a mirrored background so you see it from two angles like that's so great and and it's i also laugh that Maud and the flanders boys are watching this like crazy <laughs> guy freak out and talk about a zip zoop zabulous present <laughs> Uh, and then we get the fun montage of all the presents they might get them. And I, I, I love this. I love 
Smithers with a banjo. I'm slapping my knee. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a blast. He's he's really hamming it up. I mean, this is like a repeat of the joke, uh, the series of jokes from Life on the Fast Lane when Homer is looking for a gift for Marge. Like, oh, too corny. Ooh, yeah. too exciting. <laughs> uh, right. So it's yeah, them visiting yeah. a bunch of mall stores. I mean, the joke is like malls have a store for everything. Well, well, not thirty years later they don't. No. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's like going to all these different like specialty stores. Like the brushes are coming. The brushes are coming. I often say too cutesy poo. Yeah. I, I describe yeah. things. I don't like things when they're too cutesy poo, including on this series. But I, I love, I love his statement of it. And and yeah, Smithers is lo- the look on his face. He's so pleased at playing this banjo. That's so great. And the pool table clearly Burns has a hundred year old stance on pool. It's like what you do in a public house. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's also obviously exactly the gift that he, Homer would like. At mm-hmm. least you know what I mean. Like, would you like want to turn his house, his home into a bar? Like, absolutely. If you could. <laughs> Uh, and what a great line of like a saloon like, <laughs> such a fancy way of saying it uh, but- this store that they get the Olmec head from I mean you'll find these places in New York occasionally like they'll like have like just insane items that cost a thousand dollars each that are like a diamond studded statue of a poodle and you're like who in the world would buy such a thing I, I assume that's what the store is supposed to be mm. or have you run across stores that are similar to this I, I don't think I have, but I feel like those stores are for rich men who cheat on their wives. They need a really yes. big gesture <laughs> to get her back. You know, I I have uh, the place that he ultimately buys something from, Plunderer Pete's. It does feel a little like, uh, man, I can't remember the name of the place. It's uh, It was like a rainforest type thing, and mm. I remember it had like rain sticks in it, which is just like, you know, a stick with like ball bearings in it, and you turn it upside yeah. down, sounds like rain. It's a great thing for a little kid to play with in a store. I am so glad my mom never like she was able to not waste money on that because like what do you do with that you spend like forty dollars on that for a kid and they turn it upside down like four times and then and then it just becomes like a thing they hit their brother with that's all it or is. a thing your mom trips over yes yeah <laughs> but but yeah this is certainly a joke about like walking around a mall and thinking who the hell buys this thing like how does yeah. this place stay open and actually uh though it will air later the episode before this in the season two production run when Flanders fails is about the same thing Mm -hmm. Uh, it takes the idea of like there's a store for everything even a left-handed items store and and Mm it makes it the whole plot although I will take that back I think malls are turning back into this now because malls are just selling space to local business people and the last time I walked through my local mall back in my hometown uh, I don't know uh, I think uh, earlier in 2021 it was like I've never even heard of this store it's not a chain it's just some person selling things <laughs> they basically set up an etsy it's a store guy in a room with stuff <laughs> yes there's like a folding chair it's basically just like i set up my own etsy store at the mall because real estate is very cheap here you know, in, in one of our community Simpsons news segments on the podcast, I remember seeing like it was it was a pop-up of an imitation Moe's that sells, you know, Simpsons food at, as a bar food. Uh, that was one of those things that's like, oh yeah, it's in this dead mall and you can go to it. Like we just built, we built a Moe's in it for like four months and you can enjoy it. And then closing up the Moe's, we're not staying open all the time in this Moe's, but <laughs> it's, I guess really it is that everything is a, is a Halloween, Halloween store now. 
all you know <laughs> like everything is a fly by night one uh in one, and few, out yeah <laughs> it's it's all uh, any business can afford these days <laughs> also i love that burns's nose is squished up <laughs> against the window as he looks at it like that's such a great shot and yes it's a it's a great you know it doesn't work as a mystery anytime after the first time but when burns is pointing at something in there and says it's thirty two thousand dollars as a viewer you're like what the hell could this be yeah what what could it be but we find out as the head is unveiled they head home to and homer is crying on the on the couch saying woe is me <laughs> uh and then homer uh sees that burns has arrived and i noted this time that the movers who are bringing in the giant box they're the movers from treehouse of horrors first segment who are oh. moving them into the bad oh. dream house and they don't talk because one of them is james earl jones yep yeah so <laughs> this time silent movers but uh but yes homer gets a gift in our next clip you brought us a present why what did you think i was going to do <laughs> have you beaten to a bloody pulp <laughs> to show there's no hard feelings please take an advanced copy of my book will there ever be a rainbow <laughs> and now young fellow i haven't forgotten you here wow a crowbar it's to open the crate <laughs> stupid what did I tell you? I'll bet it's filled with diamonds, rubies, sapphires, pearls. Wow! <laughs> a big ugly head! Oh. Actually, son, it's a big ugly Olmec Indian head. It was carved by Mesoamerican Indians over 3,000 years ago. This gruesome customer is Extapolapa Kettle, the god of war. Awesome! No, Maggie, not Aztec. Olmec! Olmec! <laughs> Marge, what does it do? Doesn't do anything. <laughs> Marge, really, what does it do? Whatever it does, it's doing it now. Well, I'll let you get acquainted with Senor Extapolapa Kettle. Ta! Did you see their faces, Smithers? <laughs> Sir, you're my god of generosity. By the way, Extapolapa Kettle, uh, not real. Made up! Yeah. Uh, but him saying, Extapolapa Kettle, that's in my head as well. Yes, yes. Uh, now, uh, of course, the, the old mech people were a real group. Uh, the Mesopotamian culture, like uh, one of the first cultures in uh, uh, the southern uh, South America, I believe. But uh, the point is that they, and they did make big heads. Silverman even admits on the commentary, he's like, yeah, I have friends who collect pre-Columbian art. And they said... The, that head looks nothing like the, how they had <laughs> they actually embellished it and made it look more interesting it's a rather kind of flat head design for the uh well i mean is it like n not many extra details unless you know maybe they were painted a long time ago but they if you look up a real olmec head it's not as uh there's not as many like rings in it or or all that i do love the detail it's a great payoff of the the uh flashcards gag of maggie coming up with aztec and it's wrong but it's incredible that she would identify <laughs> any native native peoples uh, associated with it's, it's a great great little joke yeah, yeah. i'm kind of sad that i mean this is 31 years later and uh, i know the mystery but i remember it being a mystery when i first saw it and i like how this is also secretly like one of the biggest pieces of simpsons continuity and that it's a mystery how they got this in the house and then into the basement, but it will be in the basement 
almost every time you see their basement, you will see the head like behind debris yeah. or stacks of newspapers or whatever. It's so great that they keep the head in there as many times as they can. Like even even in the movie, when the house gets destroyed, you can spot the head in the yes. big house destruction sequence. Oh, and I take that back. Sorry, the Olmec were in uh, the tropical lowlands of the Gulf of Mexico in present day Mexican states of Veracruz and Tabasco. Did you watch the Road to El Dorado or didn't you? <laughs> I know I'm failing. You know, we went to all that. Well, you know, you were the main producer. True. On that one, it's true. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the also will there ever be a rainbow popped up a couple extra times in the series too. It was uh, in the last temptation of Homer when they had their convention display for the plant. Uh, the book is on there. And in the old man and the Lisa, when Lisa says Burns is net worth, she is reading this book to source it. Mm-hmm. It says like in your most recent autobiography, you said you're worth this much. Uh, uh, what a great like final joke about his book about like yeah this the most hacky dumb book of all time is called the will there ever be a rainbow like what a great awful name and also the way well, that also, like, my, says my, it. my life is full of uh gray clouds even though uh you know you're a total billionaire the entire time yes you've been rich your entire life you're you've lived to be a hundred you've you've done everything possible but you've, he's you've like, had one setback and you should be dead you've yes. lived too long <laughs> A thing that should have killed you of natural causes because you're old. He's like, oh, finally, I didn't die. <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, the box is gigantic. The reveal of how it even get in there, you're like, what? what? No, this is impossible like that. It's so great and cartoony. And just the reveal... For a first-time viewer, what a great reveal of that thing because you just go like, what the, f- what? Like, what is this? And, <laughs> and just the explanation that it is an incredibly expensive and rare thing. So it actually is a great gift in rareness and worth, but it is actually worthless, unuseful in any way, and actually a massive inconvenience mm-hmm. for The Simpsons going forward. Like, such a perfect, perfect bad gift to give. <laughs> Couldn't you hawk it though for even like fifteen grand? If someone's willing to pay thirty-two, someone should be able to pay fifteen, and that's a huge, huge windfall for the Simpsons. That's true. Mm. Yeah, I, but I guess you know maybe they feel like ah, if we throw it out, Burns will know and we'll get in trouble or something. Or mm. they just, or maybe Homer, you know, in his uh, very selfish way is just like no it was the gift and i'm keeping it like i'm gonna keep this forever uh, the the dynamic i read between burns and smithers this time is that uh burns is definitely being passive aggressive it's like i'll give you a gift and smithers because he can see no wrong in burns uh thinks oh what a nice thing my boss did giving this family this priceless artifact yeah i i also love too how Burns says what do you think i was gonna do have you beaten to a bloody pulp and then s- smithers just laughs and like what a horrible in joke to have with each other like yeah you almost did beat him to death that's so funny uh but uh but yes then comes the moral of the story in one of the best uh closings of a simpsons episode ever i dare say it's just a a great encapsulation of this episode save a guy's life and what do you get nothing worse than nothing just a big, scary rock. Hey, man, don't badmouth the head. Homer, it's a thought that counts. The moral of this story is a good deed is its own reward. Hey, we got a reward. The head is cool. Well, then, I guess the moral is no good deed goes unrewarded. Wait a minute. If I hadn't written that nasty letter, we wouldn't have gotten anything. Well, hmm. 
then I guess the moral is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Perhaps there is no moral to this story. Exactly. It's just a bunch of stuff that happened. But it certainly was a memorable few days. Amen to that. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, it does feel yeah. like a writer's room too. Like, so what's the point of this? Yeah. <laughs> how do we how do we end this? And James L. Brooks is not uh, flown in to have a character give a big grand speech. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said at the beginning, this does feel like the mission statement from here on out. Like, this will not this this sometimes will not have a pat ending that has a feel good uh, moment with nice music behind it. Sometimes it's like, yes. wasn't well, that a bunch of fun jokes about one theme? All right, we'll see you. Uh, watch Drexel's class come yes. up next. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> or do you? 210 sort of, this week. Oh yeah, 90210. Yeah. Oh, Steve, sorry. <laughs> it's also super it gets even more meta because they laugh at literally nothing. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. it ends on a big like, oh, we're all just a big family laughing together, but like you're just saying it was a memorable couple of a couple of days and you're cackling like it just it's a very a fun gag on sitcom endings. And and a great point that it's like, oh, this was just like 72 hours in your life. This is what it was. <laughs> was this ridiculous thing and also they all laugh just because like well it's the end of the tv show you gotta laugh at the end of it like it's like they know they're at the end of the tv show and and yeah also it feels like writers like tearing apart their story and just saying like well this is the moral it's like well no this wouldn't happen if homer wasn't a jerk well okay and then but yes as as a kid i did not get how great it was to hear lisa say maybe there is no moral to this story (laughs) just like yeah quit why are you looking for this in the tv show didn't you have a good time that's all you Mm -hmm. that's all you got to ask for it certainly was eventful well, it's also very uh familiar to the end of rosebud with uh i don't know it's an ending that's good enough you know what i mean which yes. is you know is, is a happy ending or a sad ending it's and, an ending and well it's also that's one where they help burns and they actually do get nothing for it and they just go like yes. <laughs> so actually yeah rosebud one of the greatest episodes of simpsons ever actually just rips off this episode mm-hmm. i forgot about that yeah. <laughs> uh i you know i've got it coming in the mail i haven't got it yet but i recently made the splurgy purchase of a cell from rosebud of mr burns future burns in his robot body holding the uh the bobo and uh it's best uh best hundreds of dollars i ever spent (laughs) (laughs) but but anyway uh yeah i i love this as the last episode of season two it shows compare this to bart gets an f which i think is a great episode but they have grown so much they've gotten so much confidence gene and reese are taking over and you know they have their own ups and downs as showrunners but this shows what they're really great at which is like this show is a zany satire of sitcoms and we can do crazy shit you can't do in another sitcom why are we trying to be like other sitcoms with like a heartfelt ending Mm -hmm. or homer telling marge like i love you more than ever oh homer well yeah what what do we need this shit for like we can just be the funniest show on tv and and this is their way of showing it what's what's interesting just kind of in the context of honeymooners that that's what they were aping obviously right it's the baby you're the greatest ending like you can't have an episode unless they don't kiss and he doesn't actually finally uh not only uh apologize but let her know that she is the best. I mean, and also look at that guy and look at her. You know, you better be saying maybe you're the greatest a lot. But I mean, like that's sort of that convention that they it took them a while to get out of, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, to restate what I said up front, uh, hours and hours ago. But this is really mm. where it starts for me. It's not like the things before this you can discount entirely. But I feel like they figured everything out, the dynamic, the kind of jokes they can write, uh, important characters like Smithers and Burns, and the idea of, uh, you know, a, a fun ending that is very frivolous. 
frivolous and not uh, wrapping everything up with a grand speech and nice music. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about doing this episode and excited about what's to come in season three. So Steve, thanks for being on the show once again. You are yeah. from We Hate Movies. You've got a Patreon with a lot of great, great stuff happening behind the paywall. And also this will launch in the middle of February. What is going on with We Hate Movies? Uh, we're just kind of doing a back to basics month. We just did, we did our We Love Movies month in December. We did a big worst of the 2021 era. Right now we're just, we did like, we're doing 90s movies. We've got, uh, we did Big Bully. Uh, we've got The Truth About Cats and Dogs is probably out at this point. Uh, and on the on our Patreon, we're doing, you're getting, for the We Love Movies feed, you're getting two full length episodes on Kill Bill Volume 1 and Ooh. Kill Bill Volume 2. So that's all for the low, low price of $5, not to be a huckster. Pretty good deal. <laughs> best deal in podcasting. One of the, well, I should say one of the best deals in yes. podcasting. Yeah, I'm yeah, a proud so. patron. I, I as well. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to those. I, you know, that uh, Truth About Cats and Dogs, saw that in the theater with my mom. And the only thing I remember is the extreme discomfort I felt during the phone session. <laughs> scene in that movie <laughs> uh. yeah that's not a mom movie for sure mm. Well, I'm glad you guys are moving on to lighter fare in February because it felt like January was killing all of you. <laughs> oh yeah, oh just all these two and a half hour slogs. Now mm-hmm. it's ninety minutes tops. What I'm that's what I'm looking forward to, folks. Base Jam: A New Legacy. I hope that we, uh, you know, it'll probably be on some poll at some point for us. But I hope to never have to go what you guys went through <laughs> with that with that one. But, oh Jesus! Uh, but but thank you, Steve, yes, so thank much you, again. It's always awesome having you back. This was super fun uh, revisiting season two. Was it? was a blast with you folks and i'm i'm gonna i i'm kind of gonna add this to my repertoire of running the simpsons running it's not the same 150 episodes of the simpsons of the ground it'll now be the same 170 Ooh, episodes yeah. of the simpsons of the I like ground. It. broaden your horizon <laughs> of simpsons reruns you rewatch <laughs> and that's it yeah only that way <laughs> and that is it <laughs> So thanks again to Steve Sadak for being on the show. Please check out We Hate Movies. We love it. As for us, if you want to check out more of what we do, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there for five bucks a month. You get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad free and also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes our extensive back catalog of miniseries episodes over 100 to date. And that also gives you access to monthly episodes of Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill, our regular podcast about Futurama and King of the Hill. And that's all happening at the $5 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons and there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff, of course, but also access to one megalon podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. You know, once a month we cover an animated series super in-depth just like we do The Simpsons on the What a Cartoon Podcast. And also once a month we cover animated feature films just as in-depth, which often means talking for up to or even over five hours about an animated feature film we cover the history and scene by scene just like we do with simpsons for films like last month we did the lion king 2 simba's pride the uh, one of the best disney sequels i dare say of uh, the direct-to-video sequels let's be honest here (laughs) uh and then this month chosen by our patrons we are doing the 1999 film south park bigger longer and uncut a film we all remember if you were a fan back then so check out the entire back catalog of 
three years worth over 200 hours of what a cartoon movie podcast in addition to all the five dollar things bob mentioned at the ten dollar level you'll see a big list of them if you visit patreon.com slash talking simpsons to see it all as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. if you like the sound of my voice i'm doing a lot of talking over on the retronauts podcast that is a podcast about classic games or retro games whatever you want to call them please head on over to patreon.com slash retronauts sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month and henry what about you I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Follow me there for all the cool updates in my life. And you should also be following the official Twitter account of this podcast network at Talk Simpsons Pod. You stay up to date with the news there. And also, if you're looking for an easy list of our uh, all the free episodes we've done or other cool information about us, check out our official website, TalkingSimpsonsPodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for the next episode of our community podcast, Talk to the Audience, and we'll see you then.